1: Red eyes staring back at me.
0: That they're gonna show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point it kind of converge into this one entity which will be revealed as extraterrestrial, you'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. Real quick, April 30th, Ohio Bigfoot Conference at Salt Fork State Park. I will be supporting the show there as a vendor. Please stop by the booth, say hi, sit down and tell me your experiences. It's going to be a great day. Probably the largest Bigfoot conference on the side of the Mississippi. Then July 30th, Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan. Again, I'll be vending in support of the show. Please stop by the booth. should be a great day for everybody. They got some good speakers set up for this year. And then, most importantly for me, September 10th, Bigfoot and Brews. It's going to be my first attempt at hosting a Bigfoot conference. To my knowledge, it's the only southwest Michigan Bigfoot conference around, and it is going to be held at the Sister Lakes Brewing Company. Again, September 10th. Head over to Bigfootandbrews.com. All the information is there. You can purchase your tickets. Vendors, you can sign up to be a vendor there. There's applications online. And then also, if you want to help sponsor the show financially, if you want to help sponsor to make this event even better, you can do so through there as well. If you have any questions, if that website doesn't provide you the answers you need, contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as quick as possible. Now, if you come to that, you're going to get to hang out with the likes of Ron Moorhead, yours truly, Um, previous guests on my show, James Lady, Val Zalvala, and then the biggest deal for me is John from my episodes two and three, the opening day episodes. He'll be making his first public appearance speaking about his experiences we covered in those episodes. So, please, BigFootandBrews.com. Check it out. Get your tickets now. And let's move on to tonight's guest. What can I say? Um, For those of you who are, and I know there's many of you out there, and I'm not saying I'm not one of them, uh, who are somewhat conspiratorial-minded when it comes to the governmental cover-ups, Uh, about these creatures that we're so interested in if you if you believe the stories that there are people who are threatened by local or federal agencies to keep their mouths shut if you believe that there is some military aspect uh, intervening when these things are seen then folks this is the episode for you um tonight's guest randy kutrara he is going to sit down with us again he's from michigan and i don't know that there's any any more i can really tell you so we're just going to bring him on here and let him tell a story randy welcome to uncomfortable
1: hi thanks feeling uncomfortable i am yep um <laughs> thank let you me for, start, i'll, thank I'll you. start off oh, no problem thanks for having me i'm I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
0: No, that's fine. It, I, I think we have, um, from, from what I can tell, we have an awful lot to cover. So but I,
1: I'll, I'll get started right away.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's get right into it.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll start with some of my earliest, uh, encounters that I just, uh, actually found on an old super eight footage that my mother took of strawberry lake. I was seven or eight years old. And, uh, I, am told, I, I didn't know much about animals. I was a city kid and like I was seeing a lot of different things like porcupines and, and, you know, bears and cougars and things. I never, you know, I never knew were around in the woods. Right. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I took off a couple of times, uh, walking around this, this lake that, you know, just had camping sites around it back in, back then. And this is when I was really young, seven and eight. And, uh, um, can we, can we say I, where this was? This is Strawberry Lake in Everett, Michigan. Um, um, it's a it's a remote lake has houses on it now, but back in the '70s, it was all just and I mean it's still way out in the middle of nowhere, mm. and uh, it's just got a few houses on it now. But um, back then, then, well, it was campsites. It was uh, even the campsites were farther apart. And uh, but I went walking around the lake one time, and I thought I saw some monkeys. I mean, there are about about my size and they're black and running around. And I started playing with them for a while. <laughs> Honest to God, I just thought they were monkeys, you know? And, uh, it turned out like I had been at the, at the, um, the circus before that. And I was around some monkeys. I didn't have any fear of them. And, uh, I went back and told my parents and nobody believed me, but, uh, there were some other campers out there and we were out there for a few days. And, uh, the other kids said they were seeing the same thing. And, uh, some of the women were seeing them, but the guys, the, like my dad and my friend's dad never, ever saw them. And they would run around and they would come up to some of the kids, but they wouldn't let any of the, the even the adult females get close to them. But, uh, they called this one Sammy and they thought it was a chimp that was, uh, um, left behind from some, uh, what was it? Some circus workers that came out there a the year or two before and stayed, whether i uh, going from uh site to site or something like that. Uh,
0: like a traveling and, circus or
1: Traveling circus and they just figured this was a chimp and they called him Sammy the chimp. And like, it was just like a lot of campers knew about it, but hardly anybody saw him and I wouldn't play with him and a couple other kids did too. But like, I didn't really think much about it until I just recently looked real close at these super eight footage. And my mother was actually trying to get him on, on footage. And I, I sent you a picture of one, but it's all blurry. I Makes mean, sure was nervous, some. I mean, the camera does shoot a little bit better than that, but, you know, it was a a really old, you know, silent yeah, Super sure. 8 thing. And uh, but one was sitting next to me, had his arm around me in the canoe, and, I'm, you know, the canoe was on shore right next to, the, you know, half in the lake. And I'm sitting there telling this, this and what it was, is a juvenile Sasquatch. I told him that, you know, you're part of my imagination. That's what my parents told me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, my mother tried to get him on video a little bit. It, it's kind of crappy, but she uh, managed to, and it brought back that memory. But, you know, the other memories I'm going to tell you about. So, so
0: let me interrupt you real quick. So even though yeah. your mom was telling you that it was your imagination. Oh, she, she eventually,
1: I, I forgot that part. She went and um, uh, talked to some of the other campers over there, and, you know, and she learned that they were seeing them too, and that's when she tried to oh, okay. start filming them. And, uh, you know, that was just uh I'm not sure. Like I told you, I don't think it has anything to do with what happened after we, you know, after we, uh, had moved, we, uh, we didn't go back to strawberry lake, uh, the year after that. And, uh, we lived in the city in Grand Rapids. And, uh, um, a year after that, we had moved out to a farm in Alto, which is, uh, a little bit south of Grand Rapids. And, um, that's where the other encounters started. And I told you, Is this
0: uh, anywhere, um, is this anywhere around the Yankee Springs area?
1: Um, that's currently where I'm at now, but yes, it isn't, uh, very close to that area.
0: That that's very interesting to me because, uh, early, early on in this show, um, probably close to a year ago, one of my listeners had, um, forwarded me some audio that was apparently recorded in the Yankee Springs area. And ah. It was some of the most compelling. If, if you would play it side by side with the Ron Moorhead Sierra sounds, the the samurai chatter. Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> if,
0: if if you played those if you played those two audio clips side by side, you would be hard pressed to be able to tell which one was which. It's that spot on. And when I found out where it was, I, I was a little floored because at that time.
1: Literally I, my, literally my backyard. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> that, that is, uh, hmm. okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: Well, no, that's, that's interesting. I probably won't get to that in this show though, but you know, my more recent encounters, you know, involved in that area and I have heard some pretty good calls out there and they always seem to be at the weirdest times and I don't you know always have a recorder running you know yeah so like uh that just surprised me and like I what also surprises me there are houses out here it's quite a few of them they usually when they start making the weird noises it's off season and a lot of people up here during the summer that that leave uh you know in an off season mm-hmm. and they'll start making noises before hunting season and it's just weird that nobody pays any they think they're coyotes or something and yeah. No, coyotes, that's not it. No, I'm sorry. But anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, we moved. This stuff was nothing like, um, nothing, exactly nothing like coyote, nothing like a canine howl, nothing like a wolf, nothing like a bear. This was, this was talking. And it was every bit as much of the samurai chatter as what Ron Moore had recorded. So, yeah, that'd be uh, cool to hear. So, all right. Um, I can i can probably see if i can provide that to you um I'll, I'll have to get permission first but um go ahead and and get back to your story
1: okay my story uh continues after we moved to this old farmhouse in alto um alto is near caledonia it's a little bit southeast of Grand rapids it's uh um kind of close to middleville too but um it, back then you know during the 90s everything changed it, it was really rural as a farm area back then there was a lot of working farms uh, but ours was not a working farm and had uh let me see four or five barns on it at the time with a corn crib and um i mean really old barns like a milking barn uh where most of the stuff happened when i'm gonna tell you about you know it was a two-story barn with big towers on top of it and a big yeah. hay barn next to it the Cooling barn and a big, you know, chicken coop and all that kind of stuff, and and it hasn't been operated. I mean, it was a really old farm, and it, it had a creek behind it, and it never, you know, I mean, it hasn't been, you know, when we moved out, there hasn't been a farm in in decades, so it was all overgrown back there. And like I said, there was a creek running through it. Another thing that was happening at the time was uh, PBV poisoning, and the cows. Um, and most of Michigan and the cows were dying from uh, this poison and they had in their feed where um, I, I forget exactly who did it, but like uh, they got some fire retardant mixed up in the feed because they're both in the F department and they mixed them together and like thousands of cows were dying and they couldn't figure out why for years. So uh, the farmers would take these cows and they would put them in a spot where the the state would come pick them up weekly in a state truck and take them to a mass grave up North. And so they could figure out what it was And when, you know, they figured it out. It still took a while, but you know, when we moved there, the spot that this farm, local farmer, our neighbor, uh, had picked to put these cows that was right behind our house, behind the other side of the Creek back there. Jesus. Yeah. So like, I was like going down there looking at skulls and stuff when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old and moved out there. And, uh, you know, I was probably handing poisonous material and they were bleeding out into the creeks. And, and then uh, like some of the art that I I sent you, um, one of the times my dad went down there with our dogs, um, he'd walk him before he went to bed at night and usually at dusk or late dusk. And he ran into them chewing on the freaking remains of the cows down there. And he didn't, he didn't tell anybody about it. He didn't say anything about it. And uh he said I actually talked to him before he died, uh, uh a few years ago about it and he told me about that. But um Sheesh. I know yeah, it gets it gets weird. I mean, we'd see stuff going around back there and we thought there because Sasquatch quite often will get down on all fours and um this is a few acres away, across the creek in the farmer's field, we'd see him run across there, or you know, going across this field towards where the cows were dumped. And we're just like, wow, those are huge dogs. We thought they're dogs. We didn't know any better. Especially back then. know, mm-hmm. well, this is 1977, and uh, I mean, we moved out there in in, in 76. It was uh, October, so like um, I didn't go down. I didn't go down in the barns much, you know, because it was winter. But um, and then when I was a kid. Uh, and when I started playing in the barns, it, w- it was '77, and that's when things started happening down there. Um, but uh, like I said, I thought we we're you know encountering an orangutan because it was popping up over at my neighbor's house
0: too. And your your yeah. your parents your parents were seeing these things too.
1: My parents were seeing the what they thought were dogs. They didn't put the orangutan and the and the dog thing together. None of us did until when it was too late. Okay, but uh, um. You know, when we were telling about the orangutan, dude, hey, we're playing with an orangutan that, you know, we figured it, it was an, an escape orangutan because it was really tame. You know, it would like, uh, like in the drawings I showed you there, it would, uh, you know, come out of the cornfield. And this one kid was, named him Mike. And uh, <laughs> he would, he would like, he had a, one day I went down there, and he had a whole bunch of uh, toys out there, is, you know, trying to get to see to interact with him. But I, I, I got to get to that first. First, I got to tell you about the the stuff that happened in the woods um, when we first moved out there. When things really started getting kind of weird, and I didn't have any friends out there when I moved out there. You know, it was quite a ways away from Grand Rapids, and I made a new friend. And he came over uh, um, in the pictures. There, you can see us. We took a we took a bike ride about a mile and a half, two miles up to this woods. You know, I and we're 10 years old, which really seems kind of crazy now if you think about it, but like, you know, it was a mile and a half from the woods. We we're going to go play in the woods and, you know, our parents like, okay, you know, there's
0: nothing in the woods but deer. It was a different time back
1: then. I know. And it was, there were like uh, logging roads then are just trails now. And people would go to track and back there and park back there and party, you know, and we'd go buy some of those. And we went a little bit further in, uh, in the drawings I showed you there. We found this bush and, it had looked like it had an opening where someone was crawling through it. We crawled in there and we found like trinkets and stuff like little shiny things like Christmas ornaments and whatever hung up in the branches inside and like some, uh, um, tinsel from trees, Christmas trees and it had like a whole bunch of little sticks and a whole bunch of glass bottles in on one side and a blanket. And we just thought some bum was living in there. You still there? Yep. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's all we thought it was, and uh, we didn't see anything other than that there. We uh, took off further in the woods, and we ended up finding these two other boys over by this pond that were about the same age as us. and uh, We helped them put up uh, a couple of last stairs on this tree. to. They were going to build a fort up there on this big, huge tree out there, and uh, they said they are going to stay the night going camping there, and, and, and me and my friend Mike decided that sounded pretty cool.
0: Now we your, your, back. your friend Mike is the human, the human Mike, the human Mike.
1: Okay. Yeah. Which, which also, which was strange is the other two boys that were there. One of the other boys was named was Mike too. Okay. <laughs> so there was, there's two mics and then it actually has something to do. With, and I'll get to that. Why the Sasquatch was named Mike and it's pretty bizarre, but I'll get to that. And, uh, So we get back on our bikes, and we go back to go get our camp equipment all the way back to our house and see if we can get our parents' to agree to it. And uh, my friend Mike has to uh, wait for his parents to bring his his clothes over. And uh, and we finally get uh, going up there. It's getting to be dusk, and I got all the stuff strapped on the back of my bike, and we get up to the state land. And we can't find these guys, and it's getting dark, and we're getting a little bit scared. We just decide to set up the tent. In a, uh, a little group of pines that we found, a little clearing, and we put the tent up. And uh, it wasn't too long. We heard some noises around the tent, just rustling around the tent. You know, like tree breaks and stuff. But we didn't. You know, thought it was deer or whatever. We don't think there's anything dangerous in that woods. And then uh, I don't know how much longer it was after that. but we started hearing screaming. We heard the older boy all the way over from where they're at screaming for Mike. Mike, 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 he's screaming for Mike, and we thought, "Oh, yeah, they're trying to scare us." And then we hear screams for Mike, and we still thought, "You know, they're trying to." And then we heard the, the screams that we really couldn't explain, which were the Sasquatch making all sorts of weird. You no, know, we got so scared, we left our tent there. We left all our gear there. We got on our bikes. This is like about uh, almost close to eleven o'clock because I remember. We rode all the way back with our flashlights, holding them on the on the bike, you know, and yeah. as fast as they could possibly go. And there's a lot of hills up there. And uh, we got back in there. My parents were still watching, like the end of the news, and going to watch the beginning of the Tonight Show or something. And they thought it was pretty funny that we checked out. And you know, we went to bed thinking that those guys had scared us pretty good. And you know, we went back in the morning, and we rode all the way up there, and the road was blocked off. There's an ambulance going through. There's a um, the local, uh, TV station, WZZM 13 was there, uh, and they were talking to Mike's friend and, uh, there was search horses or I mean, searchers on horse horseback and a whole bunch of people walking and, uh, lots of cop cars. We didn't know what was going on. And we kind of listened in on, uh, um, what Mike's friend had to say. And he was telling them. Because we told him that you know we thought we, we told them about that 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 bush we found we thought there was a bum living out there so um, uh, Mike's friend I, I think his name was Ryan I can't remember I got it written down somewhere but um he tells the newscasters that some hairy bum comes out of the woods that's living back there and grabs Mike and takes off with him so they got all the search out there, you know search teams out there and that's what they're looking for but yeah. uh, that's what it wasn't. And the government, for some reason, showed up. I don't know why. But there was a government agent there that called himself John Redcorn. And uh, he came to talk to us. They won't let us go get our tents. And he asked us what happened. We told him what we knew. And he said he'd bring us our tents back later. And he did. But, you know, that wasn't going to be the last we're going to see of that guy because we end up having more
0: encounters. Now that name, Redcorn, sounds fake. Sounds that very wasn't Native American. Oh, it's very fake in Native
1: American name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah, you know, I'll get to the story later where there are other Native Americans show up from different tribes and they're asking how fake it. Sounds like a fake name. Well it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, this whole time they're thinking, you know, that time when I was a kid when they're talking to each other, I won't remember it either. I'll get to that. Well, uh, a week or so goes by. Um and, and they did find that uh, the Mike kid the, the next day, they found him uh, naked without any clothes. He couldn't talk for a whole day. And, uh, you know, we didn't go see him. I went to go see him. I gave him a card or something like that. You know, my mom went, got it. And we was he and injured? Like, he didn't, he didn't see anybody for a while. He was so shaken up and uh, was he, he didn't he, talk about it or anything. Was he injured? No, he wasn't injured. Nope. I don't know. Just didn't have any clothes. <laughs> Anyway, we thought that was weird, you know. We didn't know anything about it. And we still didn't suspect anything, uh, anything Sasquatch. We didn't, we didn't put any of that together. Um, over the next week or so, um, this is when uh, the other neighbor kid that lived about a, about a mile from me, that, south from the house, and how so far you know neighbors were back then, most of them. And um, I would go down there and play with a bunch of other kids. There was two other houses down there that had kids. And, uh, well uh, one particular time we went down there and, uh, I, this one kid, we'll call him Tim. He was like, I think the middle kid. And, uh, he kept on telling, so he was a little bit younger than us. He, he kept on telling us that he was playing with a, an orangutan, you know, this was early on. in in the cornfield, like I told you earlier, and, uh. We didn't believe him. <laughs> we just thought he was gone nuts or something. And we went and played in the mud and, you know, wrestled around and, and this stuff. And we we saw something that we thought was a dog watching us. And, and the brush and all we could see was like pretty much just the eyes and the brow, you know, and when it, when it took off running, it was on all fours and it was small. And it just so happened we had chased a lost dog the other day. And we figured it was another lost dog. We thought we'd, you know, go chase it. <laughs> so all we saw, all we could see you know for the most part when it cleared the bush that it was in a bunch of cedar bushes um was in the rear end you know and it's running like a dog that's jumping across this creek that's behind these houses here and like we're trying to chase it, and we, we split up because we lost <laughs> it lost us it was that fast and uh, <laughs> we're pretty fast kids too we all end up being in track and stuff so we weren't slow but uh we split up and uh one of the youngest kids all of a sudden says, "Uh, it's over here in this drain pipe. And we went over there into this drain pipe, and it was uh already in there to where we couldn't see it. And uh, it was making all sorts of weird noises. It first started barking like a dog. And, we, and this one kid starts poking it with a stick, and it was actually grabbing a stick with its hind foot. And we're going like, how is it doing that? You know, we're stupid kids. We, didn't know, we still don't put it on the of And then it starts meowing like a cat. And we're like, what? There's a cat in there with that dog. You know, <laughs> we go back and we, we get chewed out for rustling around in the grass and making it a lot of mud. And we're trying to tell, you know, this kid's dad about, you know, what we had uh, trapped over there in this drain pipe. And he just looks at it like we're completely nuts. And we're like, you know, his other kids tell him he's playing with an orangutan <laughs> and they, they still don't, you know, you know, really even, they just think we're just stupid kids. <laughs>
0: Now I got I got I, I to gotta interject here something. You keep you keep referring to an orangutan, and yep. you know like when you when you first started talking about the uh, um, strawberry the lake, tree,
1: yeah, it was black, and this one was had like a brownish red to him.
0: So okay, so the the coloration is is that of a of a orangutan.
1: Yeah, well, it looked like it in the sun, but it it was. Uh, if there wasn't sun hit, it would look more black because, you know, the skin being uh, real dark black and you know, all like that. Okay. But um, I guess this went on for a while where this this kid, Tim, was seeing this and, and nobody believed it until uh, it was getting close to Labor Day, by the way, um, this in 1977. And uh, I went down there um after a few days because, you know, things were kind of hot about us tearing up the grass, like I said, you know. Making a lot of mud and everything, so I waited a few days before I came down there. There were uh, the parents and most of the family was away. My the, the one kid, Tim, was there with his uh, baby brother and they had a babysitter in the house. And the rest of the family was gone, school shopping. And uh, I knocked on the door and the babysitter "Oh, Tim's over there talking to his his little troll friend over there in the in the the, um, the cornfield. And the cornfield was next to the house, not more than you know." 40 feet, but there was a, you know, a row of trees right in between the, um, the cornfield and the house and, uh, a little fence and stuff like that. And, uh, I went over there to go see him. And, and Tim goes, uh, oh, you just missed him. You came up here and he just ran to the cornfield. And I still don't believe him. I was going, yeah, sure. Whatever. And like, he's sitting there in his underwear with all his clothes off. And he goes like, I read in this book. And he honestly did. He went and read this book. I mean, he had, um, uh, what were those, um, not dictionary, the, the big, you know, um, Encyclopedia. Encyclopedias and he looked up all the stuff on orangutans about how, um, researchers would, you know, wear less clothes and, and stuff like that. And, and had, you know, try to bring all these things out. He figured this all out by reading know how to get close to this animal. And, uh, he had all those, those toys. He was sitting on a ball, like, uh, on one of those red kick balls mm-hmm. and he was sitting on one of those and, uh, he had all the sisters and <laughs> dolls out there. Had a bunch of taco trucks and everything and he was like um a football and then a couple of baseballs he's like all throwing it towards the cornfield trying to get this thing to come out and interested and in it I wasn't interested in any of that stuff he said and uh he's going like I'll try to make him come back out and he, he he's like oh there he is all of a sudden he goes like he he tried to coax him out and it took him a little while but he started coming out of the cornfield and he he sat there on his butt with his with his knees up to his chest with his arms wrapped around his, uh, legs, maybe to make himself look smaller, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, he just sat there and watched this for a while. And Tim, uh, he rolls this, uh, that, that red ball, that kickball towards him to see what he does. And he, he hits it with his left hand, like a left squat, like a bit slap. And he hits that thing so hard. It flies up in the tree. It pops the ball. Tim thinks that it's amazing. And he's just laughing his ass off and we're going to like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this like how much power did this little guy I have? Yeah. He was he was at least if he stood up straight, he was an, an inch shorter than me. You know, however oh, yeah. tall a ten year old is right. Um he wasn't very big, but you know, pretty built for a little guy. I
0: was gonna say um, as as far as his uh his uh physical makeup, was he um was, was he already ex- exhibiting a, a, a muscular features?
1: Yeah, definitely. He was just, yeah, he had, he was really built, you know, I had like a uh, really big shoulders, like everybody says, you know, but yeah. he didn't look like, Oh no, or or you know, thing. he was just, uh, he was, it was, you know, definitely, you know, built like a primate, you know, even though they're not primates, I don't think, but, uh, you know, they are built really well. Um, and really strong, which I get to this part. Um, uh, Tim starts pushing more things toward him. And then uh, the, the juvenile Sasquatch, oh, yeah, he said, before he did that, he says, well, I, I called him Mike because he can say his name. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, Mike, Mike, say your name. And, Mike, and the, the Sasquatch goes, boy, like that. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and like, I mean, I put that together now because, you know, the searchers were out there looking for the kid Mike yelling Mike. Oh yeah. And that's my, how he figured out how to make a noise that sounded like Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had to think about that for a while. And he must've said that to Tim for enough times that he gave him the name Mike. So that's how that name became. Um, and he goes, and he goes like, okay, Mike, come here. And he gets Mike up really close to him. Mike grabs his arm and starts dragging him into the, the cornfield. And I'm like, like, wait a minute. And, and Tim's laughing the whole time thinking it's funny. And like, uh, I tried to get his grip off his arm. I couldn't, I mean, I really tried, but all of a sudden he just stops pulling Tim's arm and he looks at me and he turns around and he grabs me and gives me this bear hug that almost squeezed all the air out of me. And Tim thought it was really funny. Again, uh, he wasn't taking anything seriously. It wasn't that he wasn't a, he wasn't a goofy kid. He was a really serious kind of kid. And it was just really out of nature for him. It was really weird. And, uh, All of a sudden, something made that juvenile Sasquatch we called Mike just go back into the cornfield. And I'm going like, "Look, Tim, we got to go in the house, get your clothes. You know, we got to go tell you know somebody about this." And the babysitter was just there, so we went in. We ate. We decided to go up to my house because my dad was home. This was a Saturday, and their parents were gone. I think it was a Saturday. It could have been a Friday. And uh, we walked up to my house. Um, this is a, probably about a half an hour after all that happened in Cornfield. And uh, we're talking as we're going along the road there's a Cornfield alongside of us and then there's a creek that crosses underneath the road twice before it reaches my house. And Tim's going like, if he follows us, you know, he's not going to go across the creek. Orangutan's won't go across that fence. And when they hate water, they won't go across that creek. And like, he was trying to convince me it was orangutan but the whole time. I'm not sure. And we look over and like, in the cornfield, we can hear him going through the cornfield. And all of a sudden, he's, he's jumping up out, out of the cornfield. He's looking like he's waving. Tim's, like, waving at him, and he looks like he's waving at us. <laughs> that didn't last for a very long it was really It was really bizarre, and we just were pretty convinced that his team was, he was acting as for as much as we knew, this was somebody's potter Lang. thing. And we went to go tell my dad. We got up to my house, and he thought we we're completely nuts.
0: <laughs> you know, now at, at, at a ten-year-old in a ten-year-old's brain, is there anything that is beating you against the inside of your skull, saying Some, something is is not right here? Something is off. This- yeah, I
1: was, I was, I was getting to that. I was, um, you know, on the way there, he's trying to convince me the whole time it's an orangutan, so, He's hanging out. I don't know. You know, it just. Something doesn't seem right, but um, I was getting to that part where I get convinced it's not an orangutan. Um, Because my dad didn't believe us and uh, it was getting to be about dinner time, so Tim headed home. I had dinner and uh, I was going to go play in the barns uh, for a while after dinner and my parents were a little bit hesitant because you know the big dog sightings. Um, I said I'd go up on the milking barn and lock all the bottom doors. It had uh, two ladders that went up to the the second floor that wasn't very tall and it had like uh slider doors for loading hay. And I locked those and I locked these two ladder doors. I had like uh, doors on top of them and I locked all the sliding doors all the way around. And I had a bunch of, you know, there was a couple piles of hay in there that we'd, uh, us boys had set some ropes up there and we can swing on it. And we had loops on the bottom and put our feet on and swing around and I could crawl up in the, the rafters and go up into the towers on top of the on top of the roof too and look way out over the fields and it was kind of fun playing out there. So I started out there playing and I had locked everything up. And all of a sudden I hear these doors over the there's there's two ladders and one of them started banging really loud and I just figured my dad was trying to get up there. He said it didn't bang for more than a couple two or three hits and it flew open. It just shattered and you know, up comes Mike. And he waddles over to way over to the other side of the barn. It was a you know the milking barns are really long. And uh, he sits down in this furthest pile of hay and just plops down in it and looks at me, and I'm like, well, you know, Tim's playing with him. Uh, I guess I can see what I can do with him. You know, I would go down there, and I start – I I didn't get real close. I got to this other pile of hay that was probably about you know, 15 to 20 feet away from that pile of hay, and I sat there, and I, I first I started making noises because I remember Tim, you know I'm saying, you know, I'm you know, saying, Mike, I thought, you know, he goes like a, he did tell me that he'd made a lot of other noises. So I started making these noises that I can make, you know, like a cat and a dog. And every time I did it, this Mike, juvenile Sasquatch Mike here would make the same noise I did. Only he would like kind of rattle on and make, like, if I made one meow, he would like make all the sounds like a cat would make and the same thing with the dog um, and whistles and whatnot. Would do, and I finally did a baby cry. I could do a really good baby cry, and oddly enough, he did that too, and better than I did, which was creepy. It sounded like a really good baby cry, you know, yeah. a human baby cry, yeah. And uh, but the, that isn't when things started getting weird. It was uh, I started making kind of a, a noise that I can make a half whistling, kind of half humming noise, and then he started making a noise and he looked like he was melting for a second. Looked like he was what? He looked like he was melting. I, honest to God, he looked like he was melting and then it quit for a second. And I didn't really pay any attention. That wasn't, that for some reason didn't trigger something in my brain and maybe I didn't see it right or something. And I, I came a little closer and I started checking his feet out. I took my shoes off and he, the whole time he's wiggling his feet. I, I know this is, this sounds really weird for a kid to even, this to even happen, but I think it only happened because. I really thought I was around an orangutan. If I thought I was around a Sasquatch, I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even attempt to go down there. I would have been scared out of my mind.
0: But wasn't there a fear in your mind of being around uh, just a wild oh, animal? A little
1: bit, but like I told you, I went to um, um, that one circus and I got I, I to uh, play around with some chimps and I just, I just didn't have that fear, mm. you know, and plus, plus the, Supposed chimps that I played with up in, you know, Strawberry Lake when I was a couple of years younger. Yeah. I, I guess pretty much, you know, extinguished any kind of fear I had. But, you know, I was always like that anyway with animals. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was the kid that was always going out catching snakes and and going through creeks and, and finding everything under every rock, you know. Um, so I didn't have any fear of any animals, really. I, w- I, would, I would go up to horses and any dog and, you know, whatnot. And I never had any problem, but. Um, so I go up to him. I had my shoes off, and I, I actually put my feet up against his. I checked him out and all that stuff. And when I did that, I put my feet up against his, and I I, I was looking at his feet, and I I pressed up against his feet. I I just I don't know why I did this like that car game you do with your kids and you press your feet up against it. He pressed me so hard I rolled all the way back. Like I mean, he almost like threw me. Like it was about like five feet, and I ended up in that pile of hay. I was like, oh, okay, let's see what else you can do. And I like grabbed, the, I grabbed that rope and I started swinging around on that rope really fast with my foot in it, and I did a jump and I landed back in the pile. hay. not thinking he was going to copy me, but he did. He started going upside down. He grabbed the rope. He went upside down. His feet grabbed the raptors while I was upside down. Upside down, and I'm thinking, this oh, all this old freaking this old orangutan is going to actually hang himself. He's going to die right in front of me. i was just going to sit here and watch. Him. <laughs> That's actually what went through my mind. And I'm like, what he did was like, he grabbed the rope taunt and he freaking pushed off with his feet off the rapper, rafters and did about the same thing I did and plopped in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, pile. Hey, this like guy did. And like, and then I had a Gilligan moment. I don't know if you watch Gilligan's Island a lot. There was an episode where he had, there was an ape on there and he beat his chest and, Pissed off the ape really good. Well, for some reason, I thought I'd beat my chest after that. Right then, right then, I beat my chest. That that was that was it, man. He beat his chest right after I did and screamed like like n- nothing I can describe. And it was so freaking loud, and his eyes turned red. And right then and there, I knew it was not an orangutan. I ran like hell. And I tried to get out one of those hay bale doors. But I had locked it, and somehow I got i got there soon enough before he did where I had a couple seconds where I could almost unlock it. But then the, that hay door starts shaking, and something's banging on, on the outside. At the same time, he grabs my ankle and gets on top of me, pins me down, that door opens up, smashes open, and it's his mother. And she comes oh. and sit, plops down right next to me. And he just, I've got a scar from this too. He rips my clothes off. I don't know if she ripped my pants off and I had a, a belt and I got a scar that goes from my belly button all the way down to the uh, left side of my crotch. And um, they did like, they just cut, like, I think that, you know, I didn't think they tried to do that. I think just their fingernails got in the way when they pulled my pants down. But like, you know, I found out later, you know, in life that they they take a lot of people and, uh, kids and, and they take their clothes off probably because they smell so bad and they're not used to, you know, clothes and they're not used to shoes. And those are the things that smell the worst. I think that's why they do that. But I don't think it was anything to be mean or, you know, anything of that nature, but no, uh,
0: nothing sexual, nothing, no, no. I think, um, you know, they did the same thing to
1: Mike and they just, they think i not imagine you no know, kids feet in their underwear probably stink. That's probably,
0: Or do you think, or do you think,
1: I think that's why they do it. I might be wrong,
0: but, or do you think there's a possibility that judging that they don't have mirrors, I would assume. Yeah. And you know, I was going to say, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I was going to say, since they don't know what they look like, but obviously they're looking at others of their kinds. So they they definitely have to recognize that you don't look like them. I got to go back to something really quick that you said, you kind of glossed over it really quick. Um, you said it's eyes changed and and turned red. Yeah. Uh, They, they started glowing, uh, by what looked like under
1: their own power. Uh, but just, you know, for a couple seconds and it just,
0: you you literally saw, you literally saw an illumination come from the eyes.
1: Yes. With no, I mean, it was in the corner of the barn. There was nothing reflecting off the eyes. And like, uh, this isn't really unusual for me now, but like when I, you know, it, for most people that sounds unusual. I literally have this on video now. Um, you know, in the last couple of years of them, the other eyes seem to build a light up. <laughs> I know either green or red by themselves with absolutely no light whatsoever. But I have like uh, three or four videos of that pretty, pretty up close. And, uh, I, I can't explain it, but I, I can't explain cloaking either when I can get to that at, um, some other time. Um, I know. And like the word cloaking is really stupid too, because it's not really cloaking. It's more like a a dispersion, a dispersion of uh, light waves with the sound waves of the, you know, infrasound that they use. They can almost disappear by just camouflaging themselves by screaming so incredibly loud. It's called the acoustic optic effect. And uh, because they're they're changing
0: the vibrations of your visual pattern.
1: Right. Well, all they got to do is make themselves look, you know,
0: now, do, you, do you think amplified. they're dis- do you think they're disrupting your ability to see them, yes. with, with their vibration, or are they actually in in all actuality, are they, are they changing their?
1: No, they're just moving stuff. I've got so many videos of it, um, and I went frame by frame. It's uh, you can almost see the sound waves. It almost looks like a you know a dropping rock in the middle of a pond when it comes at yeah. you, and it, it and if you're like a foot. Either way of them, you know, directing it towards you, you're going to see something different because it just, it like seems to just move the the um the objects around them, you know, as the sound waves shoot out. I know it sounds really weird, but it, it doesn't work completely perfect either. It's uh, it only has to be enough to where you you're just not going to be able to pick up on what they're at when you go, you know, the area. See,
0: now you see you have this on on video, um, yeah, and, and I'm I'm not going to judge or, or make any judgments on whether or not you do or do not release this stuff but have you it made it have on you,
1: my channel but like i only get like 30 views on the dang thing so i don't know what to do
0: well hopefully uh hopefully we'll we'll help that out some with you being on this show um i, w- I was i was curious if if you were putting that out for public consumption
1: I am, but, uh, you know, everybody thinks, I mean, I, I used to think when I first heard about it um, before I started looking back at my videos and how I got this on there is I put two cameras on me, one facing forward and one backwards when I go in the wood, wood, excuse me, and they're on all the time. So they're picking up stuff behind me, they're picking stuff around me that my eyes aren't picking up, and then I, if I see something kind of weird hiding in the brush on my video, I can go back frame by frame and I can find it, and that's when I started finding you know all these odd things, and uh, I mean I could go on to that for hours too. But like, uh, you want to talk about the the other encounters? Yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot that I can you know talk about. Uh, well, it's actually, yeah, the childhood encounters. Uh, yeah, we thought it was rang and tang until that minute. Um, uh, my parents had called the cops. They would seen. Now uh, uh, let,
0: let me let me stop you. I, you got to the point where uh, the the mother had made her presence known yep um and I, I think maybe we maybe jumped past some point okay so you're faced you're faced with this juvenile that's obviously enraged now yep and and you've got this mother how's the mother behaving to you and calmly. and then calm, <laughs> calmly very calm she's sitting right next to me i don't think
1: I don't think he was. Re- I don't know if he was mad at me, or if it was a show of dominance, or if he was just playing because he was copying everything I was doing. Because when I, when I when I explain the rest of it, you'll you'll you might understand. Hey, let me let me tell you, let me finish it. It's uh okay. At that point, you know when the when the two adults, there was two of them. There was the the juvenile's mother and the the father was outside, and when they approached the, you know, when they heard all this commotion, they came up um, on the property behind the barns. And my parents had seen them thinking there were bears called the cops. And my dad came down there with his only gun they had, because he turned into a bow hunter, was a 12 gauge, uh, or a 16 gauge shotgun. And if you bird shot shells, he came down there, you know, think he's going to scare away a bear. And he walks into, you know, at that point when he got down there, was like seconds after a female sat next to me. I mean, like seconds. And then she looks up and sees him. She grabs the juvenile and starts to head out to jump out that window. And it's not very high up. It's a, um, I think seven feet up because they kept the, the, the milking barn ceilings really, really low in those barns to, you know, keep in the heat. And then they would put that hay in the in the top part of the barns and, you know, those old, really old barns. So it wasn't that, that long of a fall because it, what I'm about to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to be falling off that year. When she grabs, when she grabbed and saw him, my dad coming down there with that shotgun, she left, grabbed the juvenile. The juvenile grabbed my arm as she was jumping out the window and pulled me with them and then lost his grip. And I ended up falling flat on my back and knocking the wind out of me. And that was lucky. I didn't hit the cement that was down there and I'm naked and I'm plowing out there and my dad's standing there with his jaw on the ground. And, uh, the you know, the mother's running away with the juvenile up to the, the adult uh, male, which is a blonde one. And he was huge. I don't know how big, but it may, it may be all the better of eight foot. But uh, he doesn't know what to do. He's kind of in shock and he actually helps me up. And when he helps me up and I stand, I finally catch my breath. I couldn't scream when I was up there. I don't know what he was doing when he had me pinned down. He was like going like, oh, like that. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. And when I finally stood up, I can finally breathe and I let out this huge scream. And when I did that, uh, Mike, the juvenile Sasquatch got all, I mean, this is like, you know, seconds that happened and they're moving away and his mother's got his arms and he gets all frantic and he he was like a little bit too big to be carried. And he wants to, he's trying to fight his mom to get away and come back because I'm screaming for whatever reason. I mean, I, I have my theories on his reason. He thought I was, I was in trouble. I'm mean, used to thinking he was coming back to attack me, but I think he thought that my dad was attacking me. And that's why I was screaming because he never saw me fall and hit my back, you know, laying on my back, you get the air knocked out of me and. But he comes running back. He breaks loose from his mom, and he comes running back on all fours really fast, and the grass was really tall back then. Um, that was before my dad started cutting back there. And he comes back. He stands up right in front of us, and he's all but, like, maybe five foot at the most. And he looks at my dad, and he looks at me, and he looks back at my dad, and he grabs my arm, and he starts pulling me with him and i'm freaking out now i'm just screaming going like shoot him shoot him i don't know what the hell is going on and my dad doesn't like to hurt you know animals for no reason shoots in the air to scare him away and it freaks out that the parent sasquatch. take off through that cornfield that's behind my house that was behind my house that goes all the way down to my neighbors and uh the juvenile runs off for a little bit but he doesn't know what a gun is and comes back and starts charging back towards us we go inside the barn in the barn was like 108 years old (laughs) then so it was pretty rickety and had a lot of missing boards and whatnot we can't even lock the door behind us and we go into this other room it has a uh, another door that has a a busted great big piece out towards the north there's a piece that heads like uh towards the west and one towards the east a broken window but we have a locked door behind us and i got my back towards it my dad's trying to figure out what to do with his bird shot and his gun He's going, this isn't going to protect us much. And then, you know, I had my back towards the door to make sure, you know, I was facing towards the other door that had the opening. My dad's facing the other way, towards the other, the hole and the other thing. And uh, there's a hole. What I didn't know, there's a little tiny hole, but this is a little bit bigger than a hand in uh, your forearm. Uh, to my left of my shoulder on the wall next to the door, this hand comes out and grabs me. And Mike's trying to pull me through this little hole. And my dad's trying to break his yeah. grip, and he can't. He's got my arm and I'm freaking out naked and all this. And and, uh, (laughs) my dad's probably wondering why I'm naked. I was embarrassed about it anyway. (laughs) Amongst all these other things, you know, going on in my head. Um, He ended up taking the the butt of the gun and uh, hitting Mike's arm and it made him scream and let go. And then things went quiet for a minute. And uh, he looks back out uh, to that hole and, and Mike actually grabbed the barrel of the gun out of this hole and almost got it away from my dad. My dad did shoot the gun to, you know, get Mike to lose his grip on it. And, uh, things went quiet again for a couple, and it couldn't have been more than 30 seconds or a minute, but it, you know, when that stuff's happening, it's just, it, it's horrible. We don't know what to do. We hear a police car coming. Finally, you know, my mother was up at the house and called the cops and the cop cars coming. Um, and I, we can hear it from a, quite a ways away and it gets there awful fast. And, uh, it pulls up and there's a driveway by these barns and it pulls into that drive or no, it pulls up to the house first. My mom directs the cops to go, you know, go down to the barn and it pulls up that driveway by the, by the barns there. And there's that hole by that, um, that side of the barn where that he is pulling in it. And he sees Mike going in there and he blocks it with his cop car and Mike runs off. And, but you know, and by this time it's dark and the cop comes in, uh, and you know, and first thing he says, Why is he naked? <laughs> you know, like yeah.
0: <laughs> Did the cops see but, did the cops see Mike? Yeah, yeah. The cops in Mike. He
1: goes, Is that a bear? And we're just like we're trying to tell him like, Well, that's not a bear. We don't know what it is. It's definitely not a bear. And I'm, and I'm like, I think I thought it wasn't a, you know, an orangutan, but I'm not sure what it was now and you know, he's trying to you know, I'm trying to explain why I don't have any clothes and Mike comes back again and he's trying to come in. They um end up you know shooting towards him try to get rid of him he tries to come in that that hallway again or i mean that uh that hole on the the east side of the barn and then things go quiet again we hear another uh siren coming and it's the ambulance and the ambulance pulls in and shuts its lights and all that off and we decide to go go out to the ambulance and uh, I go in between my, my dad and the cop and we go behind the cop car and get over behind the ambulance. And there was two attendants, a female and a little short, fat guy. And, uh, they open the back. It's, it's a Cadillac like a hearse style um, yeah. ambulance and the door opens. And, and, um, I'm with a female attendant and the cop and my dad go up to the front of the ambulance and stand there with their guns and, and, like, what is it, a bear? The guy says to him the ambulance, and everyone's like, we don't know what it is. And the guy gets a little 38 out of his uh, out of his glove compartment. And uh, just then, Mike comes right back out in the headlights, you know, some of the headlights around. And uh, he just stands there by the milking barn, just stands up, and they're like, they, you know, shoot down him a couple times, and he, he takes off. He came back one more time as I got back in the ambulance. And by this time, the cop had figured that he didn't like those. Those sirens, so he turned on all the sirens on both the cars, and Mike runs off, and they take me back up to the house, and the uh, conservation officer shows up, and the uh, the ambulance uh, attendants are attending to my my scratches that I told you I got um, when they pull my pants off, and uh, they get oh, and before we get a call, he gets a call, we hear gunshots down at the neighbors, you know, we can hear the gunshots over, oh, and he had a thirty thirty, it was really loud. And then the cop gets a call and he's going like, there's something going on down at your neighbors. I got to go. And him and the conservation officer take off. And, uh, well, I went to the the hospital and got stitched up when I, when I came back to the house, um, the cop was leaving. He stopped by and he says, you can go now. I was, you know, at the end of my shift and uh, you can go down there. There's some locals down there. You can go talk to your friends and they can tell you what happened. And And that's when we went down there and they, they told us that uh, when they got home and the babysitter left, that uh, all of a sudden a bunch of banging has happened on the on the outside of the house and in the windows and screaming, and this is uh, they've got like four kids and you know a, a young couple. They didn't know what was going on. You know, they, I mean, they just, they just come home to this and like you know how the noises the Sasquatch make, and I think they're the the adults were trying to get the uh, junior to calm down, and he was insisted on getting in the house and he broke in uh, through the bathroom window because there was a sump pump out the outside of the uh, bathroom window there with a, like a, um, you know, a board covering like a doghouse house on top of it and yeah. he get on top of that and he got on top of that and busted the window, came inside of the house. I know all this because we talked about it, you know, the next day in the bus or no wait, way after they came back, I'll get to that because they, they took off that night The or that, yeah, later that night. Um, where was I? they said it, it broke in through the um that window and came into the living room and they're all like uh, huddled together in the living room and it was trying to grab Tim and drag him back out through the the um you know the way he came in when the, um the father had already got his gun out when he heard the gunshots up at the house, I guess and it was a thirty thirty and he took his shot and he he uh, nailed Mike right through the chest but he, he, you know, oh, got out of there and left a huge blood trail. there's well, there was a Creek right behind the house and that comes up later. But, uh, that's what they told us when we got there. And Tim was, uh, really upset that, you know, his friend got shot. He was all crying and cursing at his dad that when I say he wouldn't have heard anybody and blah, blah, blah. But they, the, the, the mother and the kids took off the father stayed home that night. And, uh, you know, the government had showed up and they had talked to him about it. Uh, They're going to come back and look to the body with bloodhounds in the morning because it was dark and they couldn't
0: find it. You said the government came.
1: Yes, yeah, the same guy that showed up to the other one, John Redcorn, showed sort up of, after the cops. You know, got there a long time after, and they they talked to uh, Tim's father about it. And uh, but you know, he'll he'll show up the next day in my story here. Uh let,
0: let me uh, let me go back to just prior to the the police and the uh, ambulance showing up at your property. You uh, I'm getting the impression that you're saying that uh, it it seemed like Mike was under the impression that you were under threat from your father and yeah. he, he was trying to rescue you.
1: Yeah, I kind of I you know, I kind of gather that because I thought that he went back, you know, more, I'm just you know trying to figure it out because I don't think he I really wanted to hurt us. I think he was just. Uh, I really think he was playing. He went to go get Tim to help me. I can't make any more sense out of that. He didn't oh, go. Oh,
0: I didn't put that together. He played yeah, with us. For he and
1: played with us both for so long. He never tried to hurt us. There's no way that he would just all of a sudden you know, turn on us. And yeah. but you know uh, when he did that, I knew he was an orangutan for sure. And I really thought he was he wasn't playing. It was absolutely my fault. You know, misinterpreting what he was doing was just imitating me and everything that he did, he did something better, but I didn't figure that out. Then I it, was just, and he was
0: going to show you, uh, you want to pound on your yeah, chest? I thought that. He was
1: going to kick my ass. <laughs> watch and just watch what apart. I can do.
0: <laughs> Jesus. That's uh, fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was. And, uh, I don't have any fear of him now, but like I did for a little while then, um, you know, that's, that that's then And this is now, but so okay, where do I leave So, Mike, off, huh? so Mike,
0: Mike's dad puts a, puts a hole through, uh, through Mike.
1: And this is Tim's dad that did that. Yeah. Mike was another friend. Uh, uh, oh, Mike, sorry.
0: All right. Tim's dad.
1: Well, yeah. Tim's dad. Well, yeah. I know it gets confusing because there's two Mike boys yeah. and a Mike Sasquatch. I know, but they're, they're tied in together. I think that's how he, you know, said his name. Like I said, but, um, yeah, he puts a hole in them and the, the family leaves um, and it, it's late. I go home and I get a call early in the morning on Saturday and he goes, I found your hairy friend in the creek in the back. I'm going to give him to the government. Do you want to come down and see him before? You know, I give him up. And so I walked down there and I, by the time I got down there, it was about a mile, the oldest boy and his father next door in the next house down, uh, which I told you were photographers and had their own um, um, dark room where they could uh, do their own pictures and everything just so happens. Well, he went and showed these neighbors and uh, the oldest boy was there and the rest of his family was gone. Tim's family was gone except for his dad. So it was just us four. They brought me over to the neighbor's house where they had Mike's body already on a picnic table and they were tucking it out and he was all wet from the Creek and everything. And, uh, we're all checking out and they open his jaw. This is the thing that changed everything. And this is really, really hard to believe, but I actually have proof of this too. And they found, uh, you know, found some of these teeth next to the uh, Neanderthal skulls and whatnot. And they said they were canine teeth from some other animal. Uh, what happened was they've moved the jaw downwards and on the upwards back, you know, top of the skull part jaw, these two, uh, Canine-looking teeth, which were probably just tusks, came down with the jaw. They close it. Things would come up and down. I made an illustration of it. And yeah, I know it's it's freaky as hell. But like I've not you're talking
0: you're talking. This thing had uh, retractable canines.
1: Yeah, retractable so canine
0: As, like the teeth. as they as they works. lowered the lower jaw. Yep. The the canines protruded from the upper jaw.
1: Yep. Exactly. And that freaked them all out. I can tell you that their gums inside of their teeth, they didn't have like the incisors like we do in the front, and they had uh, pretty good-sized canines. But like the, they, have really, they have like blocky teeth all the way around. The The gums were like pink and black, like a spotted, you know, like a, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog's yeah. inside yeah, yeah, the mouth. That's what it was, and he had a black tongue. He had like bullish brown eyes, but his eyes were like uh, full of some fluid. That the, the guy... There, uh one of the guys there said he he maybe pumped all his blood through his system or something like that, and he. We later find out he got shot right through the his heart, but it was a two chamber heart. I gotta get to this this part.
0: They, they start Christ. freaking out.
1: Yeah, they get they start freaking out about the teeth. Is this thing's dangerous? We cannot let you know. We gotta let somebody know about this. And uh he sends his oldest kid in to go get a camera. He pulls out a knife and just rips Mike open He's like, We're going to dissect him and take pictures. And he opened Mike up. And, uh, I mean, I can't get this out of my head. I'm glad I didn't watch the whole thing, but like I threw up right. When. and I'm, I'm used to hunting too. I just, I, he opened Mike up and all his guts, just like fall right out. And it, it was disgusting. And then he split the, you know, the, the ribs open. And, uh, I didn't want to watch any more of it. And they what did they, this uh,
0: guy think he was a corner or what?
1: Well, he thought he was Mr. Super Hunter guy, and his his oldest son was taking all the pictures while they were doing this. They took pictures <laughs> of us standing with a body, you know, with a gun and everything like that. And then uh, they had me come over and look at the the um, the heart, and uh, I only and I only got that look inside of his his um, chest cavity. And they showed me how big his lungs are; it almost looked like two sets of lungs. But you know. I didn't, I didn't catch that exactly. What they were mostly talking about was their the heart. It had a second chamber, like a like a two chamber heart. And they were kind of freaking like, out. Everyone like, did the bullet like it, the because the bullet came in at the bottom of the heart, and they found out where the entry was. And they're like sticking a pencil in it, and they, they found out like it just went through that first part of the heart, and it had like a second smaller heart behind it like a two-chambered heart, like an old mammal does, like a really, really old mammal, like some of the um, old manatees and stuff have them, uh, like the duke Hog or whatever they're called. And uh, I looked it up. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I guess a lot of old mammals and some of the old, uh, you know, they all had two-chambered hearts, but they evolved into a one-chambered heart like we have. But I remember that most distinctively, and I remember, the, you know, the teeth and the... Well, anyway... um. They, uh, like I told you about the PB poisoning, they had actually had two horses that had died of this this feed poisoning that was affecting horses and cows. They had already dug a hole for the horses because they had died. They decided that's where they're going to hide the body because the government guys were just now showing up over at the other neighbor's house over there with the bloodhound dogs. They sent me down there to distract them, and they, they chopped off Mike's arm, put it in a barrel, and stuck it in the barn and then buried Mike uh, poured lye on top of them, and then they poured, They put the two horses on there and quit, put a top coat on them with their tractor while I was walking away and going down and talking to the, the other government agents with were the dogs, and, and John Redcorn shows up asking me all sorts of questions. He pulls in, and I told him I was just down there that I hadn't seen Tim's dad yet, that uh, you know, I haven't gone over there yet, and I thought he was over at his neighbor's, and I lied to him, and, this guy took me back home, so they buried the body. And uh, a few days later with school, I apparently, they uh, developed the pictures. And they, like I told you the one oldest kid took him into in school and he was in junior high. And I remember that day I got pulled down and I was in elementary school, I was younger. And uh, I got pulled down to the, the principal's office and this older kid was in the elementary school principal's office and told me if I say anything, he's gonna kick my ass, which they told me before. I didn't say anything, but you know they had the picture of me standing next to him, and they just held the picture next to me. It didn't say anything. Well, like, yeah, that's him. And I went to class. Well, I finished that day out without, you know, just a normal day, and I get I happen to, you know, have to ride the bus home with these kids, and we went by their houses first, you know, uh, two houses, uh, the other two neighbors, right next to each other. Before I got to mine, and there was um, carpet cleaning vans, I think three in each house all from the same company. Carpet cleaning. Uh, my bus driver goes like, Oh, you guys are partying down here a lot. You know, you got to clean up their houses. And like, I didn't think anything of it until I got up to my house and there was three carpet cleaning vans there. And yeah, I looked up the carpet cleaning van company, tracked them down. Um, in this whole case, I have the names of agents. I have the names of every witnesses, uh, cops, ambulance drivers. Um, The cars they used, to everything, every detail I have found everything over the years of this. But um, I'm going to take a breath here a second. Where am I?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're indicating that the carpet cleaning vans were not a carpet cleaning company. They They
1: were were not carpet cleaning vans. And uh, when I got off the bus, I started walking up to the house, and I saw a bunch of people inside the house, and they pulled the curtains down as I was walking up to the house and I got up to the carpet cleaning van itself. And then I just bolted. I, I knew something was wrong. I started running, getting across the, my whole property. We had like three and a half acres and uh, a bunch of national guard came out of my house and tackled me, brought me into the house. National and guard. The, the national guard. All our, all those vans were full of national guard, fully armed, all dressed, everything. And John Redcorn's in there. And, uh, he's yelling at me. He spent the whole day trying to get answers out of the neighbors and he pulled them out of work, pulled my dad out of work. And he was down there questioning them all day while I was in school, I guess. And he didn't get any answers out of them. So he came up to, you know, try to get an answer for me and I didn't say anything. And then, uh, and my neighbors told me just don't say anything. They're not going to do anything to your kid. And uh, all these National guardsmen they had my parents at gunpoint. And this guy got real pissed off by this time. And he goes, well, I'll be right back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. They had your parents at gunpoint.
1: Yeah, they had my parents at gunpoint. And my the neighbors at gunpoint, too. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, he comes back, and they take my, my parents into another room. And there's still six guards in the room with me plus John Redcorn, and uh, he comes back with his briefcase, opens up a briefcase, and it's got a sodium pentothal in there with a great big, huge needle and all this stuff, and we, I still think he's bluffing, and he's not bluffing. And uh, he starts getting the shit ready, and he has two guards hold me down and tape me with duct tape to my own chair, and I'm kicking and screaming and yelling and crying, and my parents are gone now, being held in the other room. These three National Guard, honest to God, uh, they stood up for me. Just three of them, and drew their guns on them. It was the most amazing thing.
0: Whoa! But the the more, National Guard drew their guns on on Redcorn.
1: The other National Guard, the, the and John Redcorn, three of them stood up for us. And but there was more bad guys than there was good guys. And they end up taking uh, okay. the three I, I, guys.
0: I'm sorry, I got to interrupt. I got I, I got I to get clarification here. Is red Pardon. Is Redcorn one of the bad guys?
1: Yeah, John Redcorn's the the agent. He's okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay, he's a Cherokee, and uh, <laughs> all the all the uh, the government agents are all Native American. Two of them were from the local tribes here. One was uh, a Cherokee from uh, where was it? Uh, I think he's in Tennessee right now. I know exactly who he is and where he lives, but
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, like crazy. I told you, I went and visited them all after, uh, after I remembered all this, yeah, uh, I'll get to that. Um, well, you know, they took these, na- these three national guard guys away at gunpoint. And they told me to fight you know, on their way out. They're going like fight, fight, you know, as long as you can. And like, I, you know, I tried to, but like, uh, he shot me up, pull that stuff and let me sit there for a while. And then he, um, left my arms and legs taped up and he put me in one of the vans and drove me down to the neighbors and he threw me on the ground, tried to get me uh, to tell him where the body is. And the idiot, yeah, the body was right there, right by the pole barn. There was a the picnic table that Mike's body was on, was flipped over on the script. He used dirt pile and they couldn't find it all freaking day long. The whole time they were questioning the people outside of the pole barn there by where he's buried. He's like 20 feet away from him. Right. And all I did was look over at Tim's dad and Tim's dad happened to be standing in front of that pile. And then he finally sees the pile. So my neighbors are calling me while they're digging up the pile, They're going to kick my ass and, you know, and then I'm a rat and all this stuff. And then, you know, that, that started all that drama and stuff. They found the body. Um, they immediately took me in to get hypnotized to forget about it. I went up to my house. They called for another car because they can not take me in there in one of the vans and that's all the vehicles they had. So they had to wait for another car and they started talking about, um, their cases. These three,
0: uh. So this is all the same day that you've been shot up with sodium pentothal.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm back at my house now after all this happened down at my neighbors and they find the body. I'm sitting back at my house and they're waiting for this other car to have me coming in and getting hypnotized. They had to bring me on the way the gun happens. And while they're waiting for that car, they're all talking about um, the case. And, and, uh, I remembered everything that they said, not like exactly everything and every word they said, but I, I remember them talking about, um, that was the, you know, this is when I, you know, they said it was the fifth body that they found and it was going to be called specimen number five and it was written wrong. It said species number five on the paper. And he started changing and he's going like, I'm just going to leave it like that. See if there's a leak. I don't know why he said that, but like he said that I'm just telling you everything I know. Yeah. He said that, um, he, he wasn't, he wasn't telling me this. He was telling the other two tribal members that were there at my table, in my, my house while they're waiting for the car. And he says that, uh, you know, this being the fifth body being the most complete one. Um, the other ones were like a, one they found like that got told up behind a tiller and one was all rotten. And he starts telling them about that. And, uh, I'm trying to remember all their details, but uh, those came later um, when they started taking me around. But uh, right now, they at this point, they're really pissed off at me. They think I had something to do with hiding the body, and I really didn't. And uh, so they came and take me to um, Grand Rapids in this car and took me to a hypnotherapist. Where are your or, parents uh, at this point? Being held at gunpoint. <laughs> My sister happened to be at her friend's, too, which was really lucky for her. Um, it was, you know, it was on the weekend. It was like the, like I said, it was Labor Day weekend. It was, it was like the last weekend we can go do something. So she went and stayed at her friends and, uh, you know, they, they left my parents at my house. All, all I know, you know, I don't know what happened to them at that point, but like they took me with them all the way to Grand Rapids, which is a, you know, 30, 40 mile drive to, um, a hypnotherapist and, had me hypnotized to forget about it, even though in the middle of the hypnotherapy, the hypnotherapist figured out it was about Sasquatch Bigfoot. And he started freaking out. He goes, well, I thought this was about some witness for a murder or something. This is about a Bigfoot. And he, and he refused to, you know, finish his work. And then the guy pulled his rank on him. He did that a lot. I'll get to that too. When he does that quite often, he could seem to like he can in- intimidate anybody. I don't know how he did it, but, he had a lot of power behind him. That's all I know. So they, they brought me back and, uh, for a while it was, uh, nothing, but, you know, the other kids didn't get pulled in for their hemotherapy to get them to forget. And they just called me a rat and beat the crap out of me for like every day in school for a while until, uh, they found the other, the other pictures, uh, the other, the other neighbors had pictures, um, because they had a dark room, and one of the other kids took pictures of uh, some of the other kids naked, and that's about all I know about that. What? But yeah, they're they're trying to keep that over them right now for them to you know not talk. You know, um, so the family they had the dark room. The family that had the dark room that took the pictures of the Bigfoot when they went back there to look for you know the pictures and the body and whatnot. That's what they
0: found. Or, they found nude pictures of other um, children,
1: the neighbor kids? a whole bunch of the other kids. Um, yeah. And, uh God, this story goes on for so damn long, but like when they found that, they brought the other kids in and they, they got hypnotized to forget about it. And it was, it was a big war between the families for quite a long time. Um, and, and uh, they eventually ended up taking my mom. They didn't take the, the, um, the father's because you know, there's some sort of problems with therapy or something like that, that, um, can occur. I and mean, it happened to my mother. She came back just an absolute monster and hated my guts and beat the crap out of me my sister all the time. And my dad hated me for it. And, uh, I never talked to him. I, I, when I was 13, I tried to leave, but they kept on bringing me back. And like, I was gone by the time I was 16 and I could drive and I didn't see my parents since. And until about like, uh, not you know, after my mother was dead, uh, she died in 2004. And my dad I mean, passed in 2015, like about a year after I first started remembering it. And, uh, a week after I asked him about it, finally confronted him about this. And he told me all about it because, uh, you know, he, he kept quiet about all those years. And that really pissed me off too. And him and Tim's dad still keep him quiet about it to this day. The other father has died. Um, Uh, One of the agents have died. Uh, You know, I know all their names because uh, after all this happened and they found out that I wasn't involved, they started taking me around to uh, go see all their tribes and they were telling the other tribal members, uh, the elders, we we went to a number of different Michigan tribes and uh, went all the way up to the UP and he told them that they're Neanderthals, that they were going to, you know, make sure all the skeletons and the larger ones disappeared. He even had... Told them that the the vertebrae and the and the neck, I think the second one. I know this is in, insane little details, but I just remember this kind of stuff. And uh, he said that was incorrect about the you know the first skeleton they put put together of the the Neanderthals, and that had to be corrected and, and this and that and the other thing. And that's why I remember it because I heard it over and over and over, and it would take me to Who, all who's these, uh, who's taking you. This guy, these, these three agents that were all native American, they took okay. me to all these other tribes and they're telling all the other tribes of what they found. And, you know, and, that's and why. You're, and that.
0: you're how old at this point? I'm 10 years old at that point. You're still 10 years old
1: or 10 or 11, somewhere and, around there. And you went on for like a couple of years up until I was uh 13. Then I had like some other problems with the other kids and they, uh, tried to do some, some stuff that you know, I, well, I won't even get into but like, uh, they got involved.
0: And, and, and uh, your parents were fine with you going off I with these?
1: What, I don't, my parents didn't really care too much for me. And they, you know, even though the, the agents told them to put me in a different school, they didn't have to continue through that school until I finally just, you know, was on my own when I was 16 and I finished up night school at a different school.
0: And prior to their hypnotized, being hypnotized? Oh, well, mother. And
1: before that, it was pretty normal. My, my mother was a little bit abusive, but it was it was uh it was just absolutely freaking nightmare when she came back. She's not the same person at all. Um, it, yeah, and yeah, that's what i mean. You know, it still bugs me today. That and I just I, I just I don't. know. There's so much stuff about this. See, where am I on on this thing? and I get through all that, um, and if there's any details you want to ask me about.
0: Oh, Jesus. I I don't even know where, (laughs) where to begin. I mean, I know there's a lot and like, I covered it all
1: on my, my, uh, my channel for Midwest Bigfoot researchers on YouTube. But, uh, you know, I don't get like more than maybe 30 to 40, you know, views a week. I don't know why I've only been doing it for a couple of years maybe, but I I haven't picked up a lot of viewers on YouTube yet. And, um, I covered that and then I started doing all my own um, field research. I got called um, to an investigation by somebody over in Green Lake over here that had uh, some Sasquatch people in their windows and it got so bad. They called the cops and end up, up having to work with a um, state police troopers on the case. And, and uh, there's some other people out here that they didn't see it. that told me about it. And a lot of them won't come forward. Um, they see it and they just will not talk. They'll tell me about it. But, and like, really incredibly cool details and they won't talk about it. And you know, I just been going on and on about this for like 10 years. It took me a, when I remembered it, it didn't just all come back. It took me a lot of, a lot of dedication and time to try to bring back all the memories. And uh, I, I got, when my dad died, I got, you know, my sister took a bunch of money and I had to sue her to get the, you know, some money back. I took that money and did my own investigation. I was going to, all the archives, all the newspapers, because there was, you know, a, a news crew that covered it and that disappeared. Uh, I found all, you know, I spent all this time in them, in all these uh, archives, looking through microfiche and all these old newspapers, and every piece that I was looking for was missing and cut out. Um, huge freaking waste of time, but I, I found all the witnesses I have every single witness, every kid that was in, you know, in that every every person and uh i don't know what to do about it
0: but like uh well i I guess i got two questions for you they're completely different the first one i want to go back to you know since the the adult male and what seemed to be the mother of mike the the juvenile sasquatch were in that area were they aware that mike got shot and was there any ramifications uh did they
1: Oh yeah, there is uh did they retaliate? I did I did find uh, I did uh forgot one part was uh when we first went to he went to go cut open uh Mike the juvenile Sasquatch on that picnic table, the parents were out there and uh I don't know why I forgot to tell you this, but I just I'm trying to cram so much into uh it's yeah. really probably about four hours worth of information into, you know, an hour or so or it's really hard to uh
0: no, you're you're fine. I just yeah, they showed up
1: as you know he was on the picnic table around uh, this brush that, uh, it was alongside of the pole barn that were were and uh, Mike next to on the picnic table, and uh, Tim's dad had uh, had the gun with him for some reason. He had the whereabouts to think of bringing the gun. I don't know why. Probably because he wanted to take pictures of it. I don't know, but like he did have the gun there. They showed up and they started screaming and <laughs> like. The other the other uh neighbor kid's dad actually wet his pants he had a brand new tax track suit he just bought the day before and he wet his pants. I thought that was hilarious. He told never, you know, he said to never tell anybody that. But um he freaked out and uh we kinda ran back to the house and uh Tim's dad had shot a few times there and scared him off and they ran quite a ways when he did that. But that, that was the only retaliation. But yeah, they were there where he got shot. They were banging on the side of the house. Was what they told me. Um, when they when the kids got back uh, for school and a few days later, we had talked all about what happened on the bus before everything got real bad. You know. Um, uh, oh well.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't change it. I mean, if I. I wanted to make this up and have a hell of a lot better ending. I I think about this every freaking day since I remembered it. And I, I wish it would have did things differently. It wasn't my fault that he got shot, but I I don't know. I just, I shouldn't have got scared, but they, back then, nobody knew anything about Sasquatch. And honestly, um, when I first studied, uh, I remember this, I think it was 2014. It hasn't been quite 10 years or nothing yet, but it's been quite a while. And when I first started going out in the woods and seeing them, uh, you know, in 2014, 2015, I was scared to death of them. <laughs> I bet, you know, since then I've gotten so used to them, they get, you know, really close and you know, they don't, they don't come out and let me see them or nothing, but I can see their heads and, uh, heads and shoulders through the brush. That's about all I ever get in video too. So, and yeah, I got a lot of that. All sorts of different colored ones. Um, we get the juvenile Eddie out here and, popping around behind a tree. I try not to film these ones about over by my house in Yankee Springs much because uh, they don't like it. And I had trail cams up (laughs) and trail cams up one time. I got there during the day figuring, you know, they're not going to see me during the day to change the SD card. I'm throwing rocks at me. (laughs) Well, I'm changing the SD card, little tiny rocks. And I'm like, Oh, you know, you don't like this, this freaking trail cam out here. Ever since then I took all the trail cams away and they came a lot closer. And it's been, you know, that was uh, like eight years ago and, it's been uh, it's been pretty much an everyday thing during the summer. And when they get enough brush, they'll come up to where I can see them in the spot back up on these 900 foot ridges behind my house. Um, and you know, about as far as I got with them I was making noises back and forth, you know, like I told you I did with mm, Mike, yeah. barking and stuff like that. And I actually did that baby cry last year to the Sasquatches out here. And I swear to God, one of them laughed at me. Because I was doing a duck the day before, and I think he thought I was doing a duck, and he never heard a baby cry. And the the first reaction I got from him was, a, "It sounded like he, I just, it sounded like it was a rolling laugh," but like um, that's a whole other thing. I got a I got some videos on that, and whatnot, on my channel. I know it also it all sounds kind of crazy. Um, I think the the biggest thing with them is um, uh, to getting close to them and being anywhere near them is. Uh, being able to trust them enough to not have that, that fear that, that even if it's a primal fear when they get close to them, it just kind of overwhelms you. But like, after a while you're going like, well, I've been around them this, this many times and they've never hurt me. uh Why am I afraid? They don't even, they don't even act aggressive. And, and I'm talking about a whole bunch of different ones.
0: I was going to ask you with the amount of experiences that you've had, um, have you ever, I mean, have you ever witnessed anything that you would consider aggressive um, other than, yeah. you know, other than Mike's obvious, uh, to me it seems obvious that he was mimicking time, mimicking uh, you and, and trying to one-up you as far as what you were able to do up in that loft. But um, one time
1: uh, um, when I first started looking for him, I, I didn't know that you can actually if they're they're hiding really good in the brush you can like almost walk up to them they won't run because they know any movement'll you know remove all doubt or, and lock your eyes under wherever exactly where they are so they stick pretty tight and this was at night and i i, I was actually driving in my truck and in my spotlight and I, i'd heard a big tree break and i knew they were there somewhere but i thought they'd you know moved on and i was there for a few minutes i turned my spotlight on and blasting them right in the eyes. They actually, that was the first time, they actually followed me home, and, like, for, like, three nights when I'd go out in the back, my backyard's got, like, 38,000 acres behind it, and there's a swamp, and, like, this is early on when they first started coming around, they were, like, hissing at me for, like, three nights, and I finally ended up feeding them and kind of patching things over with them, and now I see them, like I said, for, like, a uh, whole summer long, almost every night for, like, past almost, what, eight years now and they're the same ones and there's i'm honest to god they're the coolest freaking thing i've ever seen they they are they're not they're, if you don't give them a reason to you know get mad they're 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 really curious and they i've many times tried to make noises back and forth with them well what i do is um i don't i don't trust them do a lot of stuff i'll leave them a bunch of apples and then i'll leave because i don't want to be between them them and their food i'll leave them some snacks i have a little bit of interaction and let them leave because I don't want to feel like they got to do a trick or got to do something for their food. You know what I mean? I'll just uh, kind of, you know, take baby steps with them. And it took years and they would get closer and closer, but you know, it isn't like when I was, when I was a kid, they're not that trusting enough, you know, to come up to me and uh, you know, especially in the daytime, this is usually at nighttime, yeah. but I have seen them in the daytime too, but um, they stay their distance and I always stay in the brush and, you know, it's kind of depressing because I really want to, <laughs> I don't have any fear of them anymore. I really want them to come out in the open, but they never have.
0: You know, now based on uh, these, uh, the multitude of drawings that you've shown me and you're, you're quite an accomplished artist. Um, well, thanks. I don't think I am.
1: I, you know, like you said, you did art. I like had to do other things too in my life and I didn't, I didn't do that for a, lo- a long time. I could probably be better if I was. You know, I'd set out to be an artist and work at it all the time, but, like, that's the best I can do. I just well, I you, tell my story you had, somehow. You obviously and, have
0: great attention to detail. Um, uh,
1: yeah, I tried to remember everything the, that happened back there. And when I, when I drew it out, it really, really helped a lot. And uh, I could remember a lot of the the details of the inside of the barns. So, uh, you know, a little bit more details would come out while I was working on my drawings and just stupid little things that uh, – really kind of pieced the whole thing together in my head over the years. And uh, now I can just play the whole event in my head and, and just watch it and rewind it and watch it. But it's it has such a horrible ending. And I feel, I, I really feel guilty about it. I really want to, as stupid as it sounds, I'm trying to get people to you know, understand Sasquatch a little bit better so they don't have uh, um, this awful encounter with them and be scared to death when they're not. They're not going to hurt you. They're not purposely out to hurt humans. They don't hate people. They they get incredibly close to houses everywhere. Um, they're used to people. Um, they just they don't get the reaction. You know, they they, they don't get the respect from us. They get a reaction they, when they see us. You know, us freaking out and screaming and mm-hmm. shooting. I had a gun at them, and that's pretty much all they ever get for. Except, you know, for a few people that are you know brave enough to. Face down, something that looks like you're squishy like a bug.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, <laughs> with the detail in your drawings, um, you know, your your portrayal of of their faces. Um. You know, you hear you hear so many you hear so many reports that it looked more like a person. That you know, it, its face was flat. That its nose was flat, and in your depiction, um, there's there's a quite obvious protrusion of the the mouth, the yeah from, yeah. from below the below the nose to well, below the chin.
1: Their, their face sticks out a little bit in the front, and they have big, huge, giant jaws, and they got real big, flat noses. But the weirdest thing about them, um, especially in the last two years, these I've been going with a lot more spots, and if you actually look at my channel. I've been finding them in all these weird spots and I've been seeing ones with different skin color yeah, and different hair color and in the same wood, if you want to call it a tribe or whatever. And you know, even old ones around this they take care of their old, there's a lot, there's just so much we don't know about them. I mean, I could go on about their cloaking and stuff like that. Um, some of the other weird things they do, it's all uh, sound related. Um,
0: but <laughs> And I'd like, and I'd like to get into that, but I think, I think that we should reserve that for another show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah this,
0: this this is a lot for people to wrap their heads around.
1: Right. Um, I know. I know. I mean, uh, I feel the same way. I, you know, when I first actually first started, you know, uh, looking into this stuff, I didn't know about the, you know, the, the weird things that they could mm-hmm. do. And I just found that out through my videos. and Like I said, going to frame by frame and going like, oh, yup, that's, yep and seeing it in person and, and confirming it on video. Um, like I said, I do have it all, but nobody sees it. So, (laughs) Well,
0: well, hopefully, you know, hopefully there'll be a resurgence in, uh, in viewership for you with, with this coming out. Um, do I have permission to use, uh, some of these, uh, Drawings of yours uh, when I post, yeah post yeah don't have that's
1: why I sent them to you that's why I sent you the video so I can mm-hmm. show you the order that they're in okay. supposed to be in you know it Jesus yeah man, I this... spent a lot of time doing that and I was gonna I entered an art prize and this is another thing with those the neighbors there uh the governor oh, I shouldn't do this I they they intervened when when I entered entered the art and art prize in this art contest that, in that
0: Grand was, Rapids.
1: Yeah, in Grand Rapids, um, mostly mostly because the mayor's like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it uh, has something to do with the witnesses, and the witnesses don't want you know. When I told you about the pictures, the, that's why they're fighting it. They don't want anybody to know about this either, and they won't talk about it because they don't want anybody to know about those other pictures that were found. Uh, yeah, and it, it's really making things hard for me. But uh, that's disturbing. You know, I,
0: That's disturbing in itself.
1: Yeah. But like, like I told you, I found everybody. Um, and man, yeah, I could go into that too. The, especially the first one of the agents I found at, at a casino and I, I went there looking for him because I knew what his name was. And, uh, I just went to the, um, uh, the tribe's main, you know, office and they said, Oh, he's over at the casino. I didn't go at the casino looking for him. Right. And they said, he's over at the casino. Just to have like, you know, one of our staff page him. And he likes to hear Bigfoot stories. I'd love to hear your stories. (laughs) This is the guy that took me in to have me hypnotized to forget about this. Right. And he comes walking out and he sits next to me and I was going like, well, you sure you want to hear this? Uh, I was told not to talk about this. He still doesn't know who I am. Right. Until I started getting into the story and his eyes got huge. And he like, I said, well, I'm looking for this guy. So and so, I'm like, Oh, that's not me. And like the whole time his badge sticking out of the corner of his pocket has his name on it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, after that they just kind of disappearing one by one after I went to go visit them. Uh, supposedly uh, a couple of them are dead and they died like a week after I found them. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, they just disappeared and, and their ex wives and all the people that I knew because they, you know, they ne- introduced me to so many trouble members. Um, um. it just goes on and on like that. I, I just, I don't know what to think. I just got to do what I got to do. I don't care if people believe me anymore. I got to, I just got to keep on working on this until I get something, uh, you know, substantial enough to change people's mind about Sasquatch because, um, they're not rare. They're, um, a multitude of them, at least here in Michigan and everywhere I've gone, I've gone to every state between here and Florida and, uh, and shot video and done a lot of work and spent a lot of money on cameras and and uh, found a lot of them. There's uh usually the groups of them about twelve to eighteen. I know that sounds shocking, but um, most of them are just little ones. And uh, I think they must have a you know. Did
0: you say? A, did you say that most groups are in twelve to eighteen? Yeah. So each yeah. each the location. Smaller
1: that one, there's ones that I have a, a video shot of silhouettes. Of at least thirty of them up on a hill, and that was way up north though. That's the most I've ever seen um, in one group. But they're kind of displaced. They were, um, they they burrow underground, underneath these big banks and hills. But they go underneath the water, and then make the entrance way underneath the water, and then go up into the hills here. But you know, obviously, if they got caves, they use those. I know they do that here because it, it, when I was uh, up north last year somebody had purposely uh, in this area up north has a lot of beaver dams and they purposely pulled it out the beaver dam out with a, with a truck or something like that. And nobody's one of the locals told me and he was pissed off already. Drain this pond. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I got all the footage that I did um, and figure that out because when it drained the pond, you could see the entrance ways and they're coming in and out of it. And I've, you know got got pictures of that in a distance and how, how do it. they
0: how do they withstand the the cold temperatures and being they,
1: they go underground they go into these 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 things and go under the freaking um under these hills and you know Michigan's mostly sand um I yeah, but aren't, they,
0: aren't you indicating that some go into the water
1: yeah they go in the water If it freezes over they don't come out until you know they can come out and they probably store food and everything eat roots I don't know there's probably fish down there. There's, I know I I've seen the underwater lakes that are underneath the, the lake I live on, Gun Lake. And uh, a guy was uh, removing a telephone pole, and about like ten feet, twelve feet, maybe a little bit further down than that. Um, there was a space in between the earth and what was the underground lake down there, or the the, the water table, or whatever you want to call it. But there was this space in between. There it was about eight feet of just dead air space in between the ground we walk on and what was the underground lake, and, and there's a lot of stuff like that around here and uh they can get to it really pretty easy with their their power and they're digging power. They go in through the sand. There's like maybe four feet of dirt, six feet of dirt. And then it goes into sand out here. Uh, you know, the ones in Kentucky or wherever there's caves, they'll go into caves, you know, whatever. But I'm not sure what the ones in Florida do. <laughs> It's all flat down I mean, there. They
0: must just sit around somewhere. <laughs> so, I guess my last question for you in this episode is going to be what What are you looking to achieve? What, what am I
1: looking to achieve? I want them to come out and play with me again. <laughs> no, I want. Have, to, have been you been?
0: That, that's a good. That's a good point. Have you been back to the property where? the whole thing with Mike went on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i went back there and talked to the new owners and told them what happened and told them to keep, you know, keep what's left of the barns. You know, maybe we'll be worth some money in this <laughs> sometime. Um, I've been, were you, uh,
0: were you able to make contact with any of the, the, the creatures there again?
1: um, yeah, uh, the woods that he came from, I constantly go back there. I, I refer to it in my channel as Mike's Woods. Uh, that's the where the encounter with the boy got taken. that where, where was like a, a few miles from my childhood home. Um, they're still there. <laughs> they actually put a, the government put a gun club up a year after that to the day in that spot, and it's still there. The Caledonia Gun Club did, as I heard them say, to drive the Sasquatch out. That was their idea. It didn't work. Um, (laughs) yeah, there are a lot of areas you will never suspect. Um, there's some parks out here that they go in at night and raid the trash cans at, and they know when people put their dumpsters out at night or what night they put them out. Yeah. They get close to people's houses. Believe it or not, they know exactly when you're not there. (laughs) Um, I've been finding them everywhere. I I find them hilarious. I, I, I don't have, I, I have almost no fear of them. Um, you know, I have respectful fear of them because you know their strength. But I, I, I wouldn't. I'd like to think I wouldn't do anything to piss them off either to get to you know get them like that. habit of them, um, uh, the first ones we met down in Florida, we were uh, we we look for other snakes down there, or other things besides Bigfoot. We we're looking for snakes, and we we're away from our truck at night, and there's water on both sides of the road, and we could hear these boulder boulders getting thrown at the truck and splashing in the water, probably. I don't know, maybe eight pound boulders or something like that. Not the size of a bowling ball, but almost as big. And like just went over there and started talking to him real calmly. They quit throwing them. Um, um even though not, this, this one guy that I go with, uh, um, quite often in these longer trips, he calls himself, Daniel. his real name is Brandon. And, uh, he's had a lot of encounters and uh for some reason another one we went to about uh, three weeks ago we're down in florida and uh tate's hall and uh we just got there it was our first day in our usual spot that we go to down there and uh, i just got done driving i was tired i went to bed after it got dark i was just in the tent and he was sitting out by the fireplace and one came right up to him (laughs) like probably about a half an hour i went to bed and he Wakes me up screaming on top of him as long as to come out there with a gun. He just for some reason freaked out. He said it stood there for like 30 seconds and stared at him like right in front of him and he just couldn't handle it. I just, I never seen him lose it like that. I could hardly get him to talk about it. He still won't talk about, it. I got him to talk about it. Like in the last day we are there and he didn't go into the, a whole lot of detail of what he saw. He just shuts right up. <laughs> Jesus. I see. That's what I'm trying to change in people. It's like, um, they just, you know, a lot of their, you know, their profiling, they do a lot of times when they're parallel and you're following you through the woods and that's just what they think is their, you know, their own safety line. You know, a lot of people think that they're getting hunted by them. They're just staying their distance, checking you out. That's just what they got to do to feel, you know, you know, so they're in their comfort zone. Yeah. So I just let them do that, but it feels a lot like they're hunting you sometimes, but they're really not. They're just, you not trust people and you raise your hand, to take a picture of them with a the camera, they don't—they're not going to stick around and see if it's a—it's a gun or a camera. That's why I keep a, a GoPro on me or a, another camera running at all times, and that's how I get footage because I don't raise my hands to you know take anything,
0: you know, pictures uh, or nothing like that. Scott Carpenter uh, is is a fairly well-known uh, YouTube um, content creator as, as far as uh, Bigfoot is concerned, and. I don't know. A couple of years ago, he started using a uh, uh, a back backward fitted GoPro, uh, so it was recording behind him, and, ah. it, and it seems like he was getting more of his uh, more of his um, catches. Activity. Yeah, was happening after he passed them. They would yep. they would peek out. Man. That's what I've been learning all my stuff from was that backwards camera.
1: It just completely opened my eyes. As soon as they see you go by, they figure it's, I mean, they don't just jump out in the open, but they might, you know, stick mm-hmm. their head out or yeah. shoulder head and shoulders. Not gonna I haven't yet seen one just jump right out. You know, like some people see him run, run across, you know, the, the path or something. I haven't seen that yet because, you know, they're always in the woods. There's really no way to sneak up on them. I mean, they're gonna hear you get to your you know get out of your car they're gonna hear you drive up there they're gonna even if you hike for miles they're gonna know you're there and and, and they can communicate and and infrasound with each other and we can't even hear it they you know they already know you're there so there's just there's no getting around that as <laughs> well just be friendly with them and see if you can get them to come over and play
0: <laughs> so to speak wow <laughs> randy let's let's wrap this one up and, All right, I'll and, shut up now. And we'll uh, we'll we'll get together again, and we'll we'll talk about some of the more interesting aspects of the uh, the unusual stuff that you've you've encountered with these things, and that many people have encountered with them. Um, a lot of people refer to it as the woo, and and those types of accounts usually kind of get pushed off to uh, into a pile off on the side because a lot of people don't want to deal with that kind of. Uh,
1: um, I I felt the same way when I first started hearing about them until I started experiencing them. So I, um, it's just something that is Sasquatch is something that they do. And if you, if you know, you don't really accept the fact that they can do these weird things, uh, you're just going to be going around in circles and, you know, just looking for tracks and yeah. thinking it's a monkey out in the woods when they're not, they're, they're smart as hell. You don't ever underestimate them and anything. I always underestimate them even to this day and it's just like okay they're never going to be right here right now during the day or some weird thing like that and all of a sudden they're there you know Yeah. <laughs> you spend a lot of time in the woods they're probably watching you whether you know it or not um, just for their own safety I don't know if it's just for that or if they're just curious but I really like them I wouldn't I don't know, but I had to come a long ways to get to that point, I guess.
0: Yeah. You know, I would it,
1: imagine you know, so. Hung around when I was a kid too, so.
0: Well, and I'm sure I'm sure those early experiences were probably pretty pretty forming of your your ability to be around them and not be freaked out because yeah. your initial your initial experiences with them, you thought they were, you know, uh a, a tamed. Uh,
1: they are they are ape. very very scared of everything every noise you make every noise I go they're just they're hyper about everything and, and it, <laughs> it doesn't help if they're scared
0: yeah <laughs> Randy if you would tell everybody who you are and where they can find your content.
1: Okay I'm Randy Michael Petra and I uh, have Midwest Bigfoot researchers on YouTube. you can find me on Facebook also.
0: Randy, it's been a pleasure talking with you, man. I I know at uh, at the the onset of me reaching out to you, you were put off by the uh, the name of the show because you thought uh, it was. It oh, was, that's
1: because I've I've gone through. You know, when I first started researching this stuff. I've met people like you know Cliff and like uh, every researcher. I've even got stories about when I met uh, um, Bob Gimlin and stuff, and told him about it. I, I could go on for that for hours and. Uh, Bob Gimlin really really thought it was a a cool thing to hear but um then you know Cliff told him well I'm just you know Cliff said oh he's a human lie detector he thinks I'm a liar so you know I've been putting up with that for years of him telling all the other researchers that I'm just making all this stuff up there's no way that they play with people (laughs) (laughs) this is coming from a guy that's never seen a Sasquatch in his life but like yeah I met with him I met I'm not a lot of researchers that tell me I'm crazy, but they can go around in circles thinking it's a uh, Gigantopithecus or whatever they want to think. It's a it's a thinking it's a thinking human person kind of thing with hair. So <laughs> go from there. You're dealing with something that can you know think like a person, and it's not a wild animal that's going to attack and eat you either. They're not cannibalistic. They're not monsters. I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Randy, thanks so much. Thanks so much for all being right. with us tonight and uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time.
1: Well, I appreciate you all listening to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I will uh, I will reach out again and uh, we'll we'll get back into this.
1: All right, you take care. Right, bye, bye.
0: I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends stay uncomfortable
1: What's so special about Hero Bread soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving.